Welcome to Cars Yeah, show number 38. This is Cars Yeah, where you'll enjoy interviews with inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Mark Green is here to provide you with a fuel injection of automotive inspiration. So get in, sit down, buckle up, and get ready for a wild ride here on Cars Yeah. Do you love vintage cars? Then go to CarsYeah.com and get a free copy of the fantastic Filler Up book. It's a full-color ebook filled with fuel filler fun, over 60 color photographs of vintage cars, plus inspirational quotes from some of the most famous automotive enthusiasts of all time. Simply go to CarsYeah.com and click on the free book button on the homepage. Download your Filler Up book today on CarsYeah.com. <laughs> Hello, automotive enthusiasts. I am extremely excited to introduce my special guest today, Andy Collins. Hey, Andy, are you buckled up and ready for a fun ride? You bet. Okay, it's great to have you here. Andy Collins is the president of Armadillo Racing. His company was established in 1983 when Andy plunked down 35 bucks of his hard-earned cash to become a dealer selling Amsoil synthetic oil to his fellow racers in the Pacific Northwest. The business grew, and today you'll find Andy and his traveling store at races, supporting racers with a wide variety of race supplies, from oil to clothing. Andy and his team are always there to help racers with anything they may need on their all-important race weekend. So Andy, I've told the listeners just a little bit about what you're up to. Please take a little bit of time and share a little bit more about your history, your career and your business, your interests, and of course, your passion for automobiles. Mark, it's a real pleasure to be on this podcast with you today. I'm really excited to be here, and of course, I'm excited to share with your listeners a little bit about who we are and how we got here. Like a lot of people, I didn't really start off to be a an entrepreneur and be in the racing business. I was a turn marshal for about 12 years. I autocrossed. I had a passion for motorsports. As you said in the intro, I uh, got an Amsoil dealership and started selling some th- synthetic oil, but really I was selling to racers because I was pretty involved as a turn marshal uh, with the International Race Drivers Club. It was kind of a hard sell. You know, I felt that it was, it was valuable. I went to all the schools that Amsoil offered. I got pretty smart about oil. One day a racer asked me if I could get um, a product for him. He'd seen it in a magazine. Formula V traction treatment. And I said, geez, I don't know, maybe I can. So I gave them a call, and uh, they hooked me up to become a dealer. I had to buy 16 gallons, which was like a million dollars to me back <laughs> in 1983. Yeah. You know? Sure. And um, I was a dealer, and I sold the one gallon to him. From there, I saw some ads and other products and things. How did I know? I was so naive that when an ad said, dealer inquiries invited, that that really was a come on to say, hey, how about carrying our products for us? <laughs> you know, I talked to some racers and I looked at some things and was thinking about racing fuel. Geez, everybody needs racing gas, don't they? So I asked and uh, some people said that they did need racing fuel and I got racing fuel and then the racing fuel company said, well, you're going to be bored if all you do is sit around on weekends selling racing gas. You ought to sell parts. They hooked me up, and I wound up buying this 1965 international five-ton truck with built-in tanks. It would hold 600 gallons of racing fuel. 
I took it to the track, and I had a single fold-out, what are they, three-by-six-foot table from Costco, and I put a few products out on the table that I thought people might need. And then from there, we just kept growing and growing and got rid of the international and got a, a, 30, a 28-foot trailer and put shelves in it and carpeting so people could come inside and were all set up and it was all empty. But we had a few products and we were selling racing gas. And uh, I think our trailer rolled out in 1990 and we still have the trailer. We still use it every race weekend. And now it's full from from the front to the back, and I wish I had room to put more stuff in it. also wish I had more money to buy stuff. Well, of course. So, Mark, that's a, that's kind of the short version of how we got to where we are today. Yeah, no, that's a wonderful story. And back when I was vintage racing at Pacific Raceway, it was always a nice relief to know that you were there because if you got to the track and there was something you needed, you could just run over to Andy's trailer and go, oh, I need this, I need that. And, of course, while we were there, there was always something else that you enticed us with like a T-shirt or a sticker or something that we <laughs> couldn't live without. So you were always a, a nice relief for all of us racers, and you continue to be, and uh, we always really appreciate it. So that's a wonderful story to the start. As we continue on this journey, I'd like to start with a success quote, a saying that's been instrumental in forming your success with your business. It's a really great way to get the inspirational tires turning here on Cars Yeah. So Andy, take the wheel. Well, thank you. Mark, you know, there's a lot of quotes. I read a lot of books and things, and one that comes to mind right off the bat is a a quote from motivational guru and Zig Ziglar, who said in one of his books, beginning is half done. Now, this just motivates me to get started. Whatever the project is, no matter how difficult it is, just get started. And once you get started, you'll find that you're on your way to finishing the project. Oh, absolutely. How how have you incorporated that quote into running your business and your life and your passion for cars? Well, Mark, it's there are things that are just I hate about business, and I think every entrepreneur, business person does. Doing the quarterly, well, there used to be quarterly sales taxes. Now the state wants me to do the monthly. Uh, doing the, the um, FICA for the federal government for my employees and we have four part-time employees so you just get started you just say look i'm just going to begin i'm just going to like get some stuff out of the computer and get the hazmat report done and once you get started once you're actually rolling then you find out you wind up you can finish the job that's a wonderful quote and for entrepreneurs it's especially important and i hear that over and over again If you want to start a new career, a new business, or anything, a a, a book you want to read, just taking that first step, just do it, to quote the Nike quote, is the huge step towards getting towards the end. So I love that quote. That's a wonderful one. I like the way you've incorporated that and used some of those ugly parts of running a business, the parts that aren't so much fun. You just got to open the computer up and do it. Could you share with us, Andy, a story that instigated your passion for cars. Tell us that pivotal moment in your life when you really knew you were a car guy. Mark, I, I'm not a car guy. I'm a <laughs> racing car guy, and I think there's a, there's a difference. Um, <laughs> my life has kind of always been about racing. As a kid, I, I lived in a number of places. My dad was um, an aerospace engineer, and so we traveled around, and 
we were in Riverside, California, and I used to listen to the Indy 500 on the radio. And I'm sorry for all the younger generation people that didn't get the opportunity to hear the 500 with the likes of Sid Collins, the voice of the 500, and all of his announcers, they would go, I remember one name, Howdy Bell, and he was in whatever turn, maybe turn three, and he had been announcing from turn three at Indy for 15 years. And when he described the racing and what was going on and the crowd and the colors, you could just see it and almost smell it. But car-specific, you know, when I graduated from college, the, the best advice I got probably in my whole life about living life after college was one of my fraternity brothers said, don't go out and go in debt for a car because almost everybody does. You're graduated, now you've got a real job, you've got some money, and you go buy a new car. Instantly you have car payments. So I didn't do that. I had uh, my uh, 1965 Chrysler New Yorker kind of schlepping along down the road. Well, it kind of gave up, and I was forced to buy something or do something. Uh, my first job was going to send me overseas for about six months, and all I had to do was just hang in there for a couple of days. So I went down, I got enticed by a Toyota Corolla SR5, and I bought it, but the dealer didn't have it. So he, he loaned me this Honda, I was going to drive it for a couple of days, then pick up the Toyota, then I was going to go overseas for six months, and I'm driving this little Honda around, and a car goes by me, and my gosh, I have never seen a car so beautiful that just stopped me in my tracks. It was a midnight blue Pontiac Trans Am, probably about a 19 and 72, 73 Trans Am. Now, I didn't even know who made the car. I just know it said Trans Am on the back. And uh, I went back to the dealer and said, take your Honda, fix my car. I'm going overseas anyway. I don't want it. And they got angry, and they made me pay rental. And I said, fine, because I know what I want when I get back. <laughs> so I spent... Uh, um, about six months in the Mediterranean on a Navy destroyer doing research for the University of Texas. And when I came back, I had, uh, I had about $5,000 saved up. Got into town, went right down to the dealership. Uh, I want a Trans Am. Now, if any, of you, if any of your listeners here are car salesmen, oh, woe be it from, <laughs> to them to ever do what this guy did. My mom had sent me some brochures while I was in the med, and I looked all over, and I came in there, and I would said, I want a brand-new Trans Am. The 1976 models were, were just out, even though this was late in 75. And uh, they said, we don't have any Trans Ams in here. We got this one, and it's sold. And I said, well, could you order one? I said, well, all right. And I said, I want a Trans Am 455, four-speed, WS6 suspension, I think I said WS6 suspension on it. And the guy looked at me and said, what do you want a car like that for? That's the fastest car built in America short of a Corvette. You don't want that car. And I looked at him and said, you're right. I don't want that car. Not from you. So I walked <laughs> out the door. I went down to his uh, used car dealership, and I went in and said, you got any Trans Ams in a, 
you know, a real quick look at the lot told me there wasn't one. And the guy says, no, we never get those in here. He tried to lean on me about a firebird. And then he, and then he admitted that he had a Trans Am coming in the next day. An uh, Air Force guy was trading it in. And I said, I'll be there. When will the car be available? Well, to not be screwed, I called the dealer four times during the day <laughs> and finally said, yep, the car's here. It's still dirty. I said, I'm getting off work in 20 minutes. I'll be there. So I grabbed my mom. We went down to the down to the dealership. Car was still dirty. We got in it. We drove around a little bit. Got out on the new Missouri Pacific Highway there, Mopac as it's called in Austin, Loop One, going across the river into South Austin. The guy says, "Well, why don't you go ahead and punch it?" And I punched it. It pinned me to the back of the seat. I looked over at the dealer and I said. I'll take it. <laughs> and, and that is the absolute truth. Uh, we drove back. We negotiated. He, he wanted $4,500 for the car, tax, title, and license. And I said, how about 4500 with tax, title, and license? He said, done. I said, done. And that was how I bought my first car. And uh, Wonderful. <laughs> oh, so so we, we really got, got way away from the story here. Well, I autocrossed that car for many years, and then I moved to the Pacific Northwest, uh, I didn't. I thought autocrossing was just something they did in Austin, Texas. I was so naive, and I came up here, and a guy told me about the Bremerton Sports Car Club. So I went down to a sports car club meeting, and they descended upon me like fresh meat. Mm-hmm. And up here, the, the autocross season hadn't even started. So I went out and autocrossed and won uh, the Western Washington Sports Car Club championship that first year, and then. Uh, Everybody in the Bremerton Sports Car Club, they were mostly road racers, and they ran a group called Turn Cruise Northwest. They did all the turn working for the International Race Drivers Club. Oh. So they dragged me kicking and screaming, or really not at all. They, they took me, and I ran with them right over to my first road race and started working turns. And from there, I worked turns for a little while, got transferred in my job down to San Francisco, where I joined the San Francisco Region SCCA, and from there I worked turns. I've done five Formula One races as a turn marshal, and that's how we wound up here. (laughs) What fun. Oh, that's a great story. Thanks for sharing all that. Trans Am, got to have one of those. So, Andy, what I want to do now is take a look at some of the roads you've driven down and really crawl under the hood and get your hands a little dirty and I ask you if you could share a huge challenge or even a great failure that you faced in your business that really pushed you to breaking point, maybe a point where you're ready to just throw in the towel. But more importantly, our listeners like to hear how you overcame that situation and what you learned from it. I hate to share this. It brings, <laughs> it brings back painful memories. I'm happy to share. So I got involved in the racing gas business selling ERC racing fuel. ERC is still around. I think it's one of the best racing fuels ever. They're out of California. And I started going to the track selling fuel. Well, maybe I, uh, I got a pretty good line of credit, and I wound up owing about $30,000 to Mr. ERC. But I was selling fuel, and I was paying my bills, but it was a pretty big nut to crack. And then I got the letter the letter from Jim Rockstad, who was the general manager of SIR, Seattle International Raceway. And he said, no fuel vending at my track. I've got my own gas pumps. Everyone's out of here. I just died a thousand deaths. 
I said, oh, no, what in the world am I going to do? And quite literally, I read the letter, I went to my bedroom, I got in bed, and I put the covers over my head. And my wife said, what? And I said, I'm devastated. Wow. So um, every bad story has a great ending, and of course, you know, for any entrepreneur, there's going to be something that, that could possibly be devastating. So I, I shook for a while, and I was trying to figure out what in the world. And by the way, a $30,000 debt in 19, oh, let's say about 1986, 1988, that was an awful lot of money. So, you know, after I, uh, you know, I, uh, I'm, a, I'm a Christian, and I, you know, and I prayed, and I said, yeah, God, you know, look, I don't know which way to go here. And then the next day, I thought about it. I said, you know what? I'm going to call Jim Rockstad, and I'm going to see about making a deal to be his fuel guy at his track. Wonderful. And it it scared me to death because I had heard nothing but stories about how Rockstad was this tyrant and whatever. And I I called him, and I was shaking because, I mean, you know, you have to learn how to be... there are no salesmen just born. So I was teaching myself and learning about sales and went to the Amsoil Sales School, and, but still I was terrified. So I called Jim, and he kind of started right off with, you know, well, if you think, and I said, you're going to come out here and sell fuel. And I said, well, of course, Jim, I wouldn't want to come and talk to you about it if I wasn't going to pay you for it. And as soon as you said that, he said, Oh, well, I could be available next week. <laughs> so I went out, um, I talked to him, and I, uh, I'll just tell the, the listeners, I, I made arrangements to sell fuel, and I was, was going to pay him 25 cents a gallon for every gallon of fuel that I sold there. And we did this all on pretty much a handshake, and the caveat was that I had to sell at all the road racing events. So I did go-kart races, and I did motorcycle races. I did the road races where I sold a lot of fuel and did pretty well and spent a lot of Saturdays and Sundays at go-kart races and motorcycle races where I didn't sell very much fuel. But at least I was in business, and it allowed me the opportunity to, uh, you know, to pay my debt and, uh, and to solidify the business. What a wonderful story, and it's, here's why it's so great. For our listeners and especially entrepreneurs and inspiring entrepreneurs, it's a classic pivot. You were faced with a real big challenge that you could have just said, I'm done. Got to sell the truck. Got to figure out how to raise some money. But no, you pivoted. You changed the whole direction of the conversation and made it work. And it's it's a wonderful story. And I really appreciate you sharing that with us. That's great. I hope it didn't bring back too many uh, too many nightmares for you. <laughs> it, it was a pretty scary time. I'll bet. I'll bet. It sounds like it, but what a what a wonderful spirit you had about it and a wonderful idea. So thanks for sharing that. Andy, let's shift gears here now and go to the whole other end of the spectrum. I want you to share a story when you had a real aha moment about your business, a time when you realized that, hey, this might really work. I think I can do something with this. And tell the listeners steps that you took to turn that aha moment into a success. I already alluded to, or not alluded, I already told the story about buying this Formula V traction treatment. So I was talking to some racers about racing fuel and said, hey, where do you buy racing fuel? And uh, they said, oh, yeah, we get it from Bend Over Benny. 
<laughs> bend over Benny. And I said, uh, all right. I said, listen, Andy, I'd buy fuel from you, even if it was more money, if I didn't have to deal with Benny. That was an aha moment. I said, all right. Now, I've only talked to a couple of racers, but here's one telling me he'd pay more money from me. Maybe there's something to that. And then from there, uh, I contacted Rick Gold at ERC Racing Fuel. We got in the racing fuel business. But my very first event, I didn't have a truck. I hadn't thought it all out. Today, a lot of people from uh, Tom Peters in Search of Excellence books, book and whatever know, know the term, ready, fire, aim. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, in today's world, sometimes you have to move quickly. Well, uh, I didn't have to move quickly. I just did out of ignorance. Mm-hmm. Uh, remember, experience is what you get 10 minutes after you needed it. Right? <laughs> I like that. I borrowed a, this, once again, 1965 Chevy pickup truck, and I had racing fuel now. I found a gas station that had some old pumps, and Mr. ERC helped me, and we got them all cleaned up. We put racing gas in the ground and loaded them up, and we went to our first road race at Pacific Raceways. I sold out of fuel in four hours. I sold four drums, which is um, 220 gallons of fuel in four hours. And that's when I said, aha, we're on to something here. That's great. Well, my next question, you really already answered. I was going to talk about your first very special car, and I assume it's that Trans Am. Am I right? You're correct. Okay. So let's jump to the next question, which is a little, it's about seller's remorse. And I wanted to know, if there a car you've had in your past that you sold that you really wished you had back? I love Trans Ams. <laughs> there was a 1970 and a half Trans Am in Bremerton. I saw it every now and again. Bremerton, not that big a town. So when you see a car, you're going to see it again. And one day somebody told me, Andy, I saw that Trans Am and it had a for sale sign in it. So to cut to the chase, I bought the car. It was a 70 and a half. 400 with a four-speed, which was a very rare. They did not make very many four-speed Trans Ams. I bought it. I put a roll cage in it, thought I'd road race it, never did. Uh, And unfortunately, it sat outside and eventually was getting some rust in the trunk. And a guy came by from the Trans Am Club. I was not a member. He came over from Seattle and said, well, I'd like to buy the car. And I I didn't really, I mean, you always need the money, but I didn't sell it for the money. I, he just kind of said, you know, I'll give it a good home, and it was sitting. I didn't have room for it in the garage because I had my 73 Trans Am in the garage, so I sold it to him. And, uh, yeah, I'd like to have that one back. <laughs> Sounds like a great car. What's a current project that you're working on right now that really has you excited and fired up? Everything I do, I'm fired up for, Mark. <laughs> I know. that That's the kind of personality you have. Is there one thing you're working on right now that, that really has you excited? Yeah, we've got a couple of things. Is uh, I'm writing a book, and as soon as you say that, it's like, yeah, well, right. But no, I've got about nine chapters written called The Race Weekend Survival Guide. It's all about how, uh, how a racer should approach going to a, a club sports car race weekend. And I think the book will be very, very valuable because in the appendix are all the checklists. Like, before you leave, this is what you ought to take with you. And if you just bought the book and did nothing but take the checklist out of the back, and I know what you need to take to the races, Mark, because I know what people come to me to buy (laughs) and what they leave at home. And uh, 
and then what things they ask that I don't have that I couldn't possibly have. You don't have front brake pads for a 1992 Volvo, do you? Right. So, so you need to take some spare brake pads. So that's a project that I can only work on in the off-season because I'm really busy during the racing season. But I can't hardly type fast enough. I'm having so much fun doing that book. And no, you know, you write a book not because you're going to get rich. You know, you get some credibility from writing a book and then the satisfaction of doling it out and having people tell you that the book is of value. And I do believe this book will be of value. Well, having raced, I think it would be of great value because I remember I used to create checklists for myself, and inevitably every weekend I'd add a few things to it because I'd forget a couple things, have to come over and buy them from you. I think it's <laughs> going to be a great idea. I can't wait for you to uh, to publish that. Let me know when you get it done. What we'll do here is we'll uh, we'll add that to your show notes page at carsyad.com when you have it finished so people know where to go buy it. How's that? Oh, that's super. Yeah. So, Andy, if you were a car... What kind of car would you be? And more importantly, why did you say that? Well, your listeners are going to get tired of hearing this. <laughs> but a 1973 Trans Am 455 SD with a four-speed. Now, yes, I have a 73 Trans Am. It's a 455. It's an automatic. They only made about 300 SDs, which were super duties. They... Actually, I think they did make more horsepower in that year than the Corvettes did, and GM had a, you know, kind of a round table that says we can't let a car be faster than a, make more power than a Corvette, so they put the kibosh on it, and they really didn't make very many four-speeds. But the reason why is this car looks great. There's never been, I just think that the early, actually from 70, 1, 2, and 3, uh, Trans Ams had a, a very special look to them. They had fender flares. They had some really nice pieces. Uh, it has great power, built in America, and there aren't very many. When I take my Trans Am out, uh, when I used to, when it when it ran, uh, that's another story, um, <laughs> People, I'd see people, and they'd stop on the street or at lights, and they would look at the car, and I could see their mouth saying, wow, look at that Trans Am. So it's a car that you just don't see very often. It's beautiful. That's what I would be. That's what you'd be. Well, that's great. And it certainly is a cult car for many reasons. That's a, a special car, so that's that's a fun answer. I like that. So, Andy, being a racer, you know what this means. We're at the white flag, which means we're at the last lap. And this is where I fire off a series of questions, and you give our listeners some very quick blips of the throttle answers. So are you ready? Okay. Here we go. What is the best automotive advice you've ever received? You would ask that question. <laughs> I think I answered it earlier. Don't buy a car right out of college or when you first graduate from high school and go in debt. Then you wind up hating the car or regretting things. Buy something you can afford, save your money, and get what you really want. It's wonderful advice, and I'm going to share a short story, if you'll allow me. Back at the beginning of my career, I worked in advertising, and we had a lot of clients who were in the real estate business, commercial real estate. And I remember talking to one of the, the big commercial real estate uh, companies' president, and he said, oh, we love to get all our new guys debt-motivated. And I said, debt-motivated. What do you mean? He said, we tell them to go out and buy the best suits and go out and buy the best car they can 
and make sure that their wife can stay home and take care of their kids and buy a nice house so they can entertain their clients. Once they're debt motivated, they can't leave. So your advice rings true to that story that guy told me. Don't get in debt. It's a bad thing. Yeah. So wonderful. Can you share one of your personal habits that you believe contributes to your success? Absolutely. I can't stress enough that entrepreneurs need to focus on marketing. Marketing is absolutely the key. Don't ever acquiesce your marketing to anyone else. It's so easy. You you get a phone call from the radio station and they create a dummy ad and they play it for you. Here's how it sounds. But like for my business, I would have no reason in the world to ever advertise on the radio. It just doesn't make sense for what I'm doing. So focus on marketing and don't do what everyone else is doing. If everybody is doing one thing, then you can be sure that there's that that's probably not the best thing to do. And I'll give you an example. On racing ads, you will never, in an armadillo racing ad, see two crossed checkered flags (laughs) anywhere on the ad because everybody puts two. That somehow must signify racing. To me, it signifies that you don't have any creativity, and so you're doing what everybody else is doing. Great advice. And I'm going to throw in an interesting question here. Armadillo racing, where did the name come from? Because armadillos aren't really that fast, are they? (laughs) Oh, I'm glad you asked that question. I went to the University of Texas. I think I mentioned that earlier. Okay. Um, And then I moved up here. And when I started the business, I was going to name it Longhorn Racing, the University of Texas Longhorns. But... I'm a race fan, and there was this big IndyCar team, I think Bobby Hillen Sr., and driving for him was Lone Star, J.R., Johnny Rutherford. And I said to myself then, tongue-in-cheek, was, you know, I don't want to be Longhorn Racing because when we hit the big time, then people will confuse us with those guys. Well, the unofficial mascot of the University of Texas when I went there was the armadillo, the kindly armadillo that they had pictures of that had this dillo with its ears pinned back and its front claws sticking out. And, well, the, the, the saying at the University of Texas is, hook em horns, this was dig em dillos. <laughs> so I said, that's the name for me, and hence the name armadillo right Ah, uh, great. Well, thanks for sharing that. That's a fun story. Do you have a resource that you could share with our listeners that you're really fond of? Perhaps it's a website or a newsletter you get or a forum. Yes. The best resource for anybody that wants to be involved in the high-performance racing or high-performance business, it doesn't have to be racing per se, is the Performance Racing Industry Trade Show and their magazine, the PRI magazine. Mm. Uh, the PRI Trade Show is now in its Next year, I think, will be its 27th year. I have been to all but two of them. Oh, wow. And there is so much to learn. It, it's just, you know, the saying, drinking from a fire hose. You just go there, and all the people, all the right people are there. It's not like SEMA. It's not a go in, and there's the autographs, and you can meet all these people. It's the people in the industry talking turkey to you about 
why you might want to sell their product, or maybe you're interested in uh, headers, for example, and you go there and you find that there's like, no, no joke, there might be 10 people making custom headers, and they want to talk to you about why you should carry their headers. So that is the best resource I can think of, and they do have a nice monthly magazine and a website also. Great. We'll make sure we post that on the website. Andy, would you share a book that you recently read? You mentioned earlier you love to read. Could you share one that you're really fond of with our listeners? That's an impossible task, but (laughs) I, I will tell you, any book by Dan Kennedy. Now, Dan Kennedy is my marketing guru. I get his newsletter. He's written no less than about 15 books. They all begin with no BS. So no BS marketing to the affluent, how to create price elasticity. Uh, Dan is an absolute genius, and I think that I wouldn't still be in business today uh, were it not for uh, the things that I've learned from Dan. So any book by Dan Kennedy, you can often find them at Barnes & Noble. Of course, they're at Amazon. And occasionally you'll find them in the airport, even at a Kinko's where they have a little book stand. Well, listeners, you can find links to all these resources at carsyad.com slash Andy Collins. Just put Andy into the search bar. His show notes page will pop up. And you can find a reference and links to all of Andy's references. Thanks for sharing those with us. The checkered flag, we're there. We're at the end of the race. So, Andy, this last question can sometimes be a challenge for people. I Maybe it won't be much of a challenge for you, but we'll see. I like to call it a real doozy. If you could only have one collector car in your garage, something that you couldn't sell to buy other cars with, and money was no object, what would that car be? But more importantly, why did you choose it? A Ford GT40. (laughs) Love Dan Gurney. I lived in Riverside when Dan was king. When Ford won at Le Mans in, I think, 1967 with Foyt and Gurney, I have always loved that car. I saw it at the Hemisphere, the San Antonio 150th anniversary, at the Ford Pavilion. They had the car, the red GT40 that uh, Gurney and Foyt drove to victory at Le Mans, and I had my picture taken with it, and I just loved that car. Oh, yeah, that is a special car, isn't it? Wonderful. You know, lots of times people answer that question based on memories, especially childhood memories or memories with somebody, so those things really stick with us when you're a car guy, don't they? Yes, absolutely. Great. Well, Andy, you've taken us on a great ride today, and I've really enjoyed your stories, and I want to thank you for sharing your journey with our listeners. If you could please give them one parting piece of guidance before you drive off into the sunset in that GT40 and let them know what's the best way for them to learn more about your business, and then we'll say goodbye. Thanks, Mark. I'd love to. A little piece of advice is learn something about what you're doing before you uh, go out there and just jump into it. You may find that uh, it's not really what you expected. My friend Louis Shipchuk, who owns... J&L Fabricating says racing is way too hard to work if you don't love it. So make sure that you love it. Learn something. Get out to the track or go out and work with some people in cars before you just hang out a shingle. I thought I was going to do car repairs, and that's another story about getting in way over my head. Found out I was not a good enough nor a fast enough mechanic to make that work. And then as far as uh, what we're doing, we have a website, which I'd love to share. It's uh, uh, simply armadillo racing all one word dot com 
So www.armadilloracing. And if you can't spell armadillo, then you won't get to the website. <laughs> but uh, it's spelled just like the little animal. Uh, we also put on, uh, we have a weekly e-newsletter, which I would love to share with anybody that's interested. The best thing to do would be just say that you'd like to get the newsletter. You can contact us through the website, or you can send an email right to me at andy at armadilloracing.com. Uh, newsletter goes, comes out about once a week. We're going to talk about what we've been doing. It's kind of a personal thing. It's kind of like a blog. Uh, rarely do we sell anything on the on the uh, newsletter, but we're going to talk about the racing scene in the Pacific Northwest or where I've gone and what I've done, something that I think people would find interesting. That's great. Well, listeners, you can find links to everything, including Andy's website at carsyad.com slash Andy Collins. Just go there and you can look these up. You can click on them. It'll take you right to his website. You can sign up for that newsletter. I get that newsletter and it's great and I think you'll enjoy it too. Thank you, Andy, for being so generous with your time this evening. But I want to thank you for your time and expertise and sharing your experiences with our listeners. It's been a wonderful journey. Until we talk again, we'll see you down the road. Thanks, Mark. It's been a real pleasure. Thank you. Thank you so much for joining us on today's ride here at Cars Yeah. Drive on over to CarsYeah.com to find show notes and inspiring automotive fun. Download your free copy of Filler Up a fun book filled with gorgeous photographs of fuel filler fun, including quotes from more inspiring automotive enthusiasts. Download your copy today, and we'll see you next time on Cars Yeah!